Hello and welcome to The Constructor Podcast, the future of the built environment. I'm your host, Brittany Campbell-Turner, and this podcast is dedicated to helping property owners have certainty in their decisions about their construction projects. We talk about fostering trusting relationships, help you to understand how to lower risk, be under budget and on schedule, and most importantly, exceed your end user's desires. Welcome to this episode of The Constructor Podcast. The last episode, we discussed different views on leadership and how to be intentional in taking the lean message to the next level of practitioners. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, check it out at constructor.com slash LCI 2019 recap. In this episode, we are end capping our recap of the 20th annual LCI Congress with a Lean Lab presentation where James Pease and I presented on the topic of how to increase adoption of the IPD model by using blockchain. If you haven't heard about James Pease yet, he actually was a guest on the 22nd episode of the Constructor Podcast. James is a regional manager of facility and property services with Sutter Health an integrated health system in Northern California, where they spend between $500 million and $700 million on their annual capital program. James is an experienced practitioner of the IPD model, using it for over 11 years at Sutter Health. And a couple of years ago, James also developed an educational platform called LeanIPD.com. He's been sharing through webinars and blog posts, different elements about how to be successful in running lean projects. He also participated in the development of an IPD guide that shares about how to carry out IPD projects. You can find that guide at leanipd.com. In preparation of this presentation, James and I talked about how it's unquestionably the future to incorporate blockchain and smart contracts with construction contracting. In this presentation, we focus on integrated project delivery contracting, although blockchain can impact or streamline any contracting model pending that algorithms are built correctly. James and I decided to focus on IPD specifically because of the similarities of transparency and contracting with both IPD and distributed ledger technology. Listen in. My name is James Pease. I'm an owner's representative with Sutter Health. We're an integrated health system in Northern California. We spend between 500 and 700 million a year on average on our capital program. And we're going to talk theory, but not things that we're doing today, but something we'd like to explore as next steps to broaden our delivery model. I'm Brittany Campbell-Turner. I am an owner's rep. I work for Mace. I have been investigating lean and applying it for the past four years. I also have a podcast that's called The Constructor Podcast, obviously grounded very much in lean behavior economics and how technology supports that process. I've been interviewing experts about how to improve the built environment from all aspects, real estate, design, construction, and facilities management. I've been circling around the topic of blockchain and how that will improve the built environment. So blockchain has been very interesting to me and I've been investigating that for the past year. So why are we here? We believe that there's a a fundamental breakdown on big capital projects in the industry. Part of an owner's organization of owners that do, we're the smallest organization, so everybody spends at least five to seven hundred million a year. They all have the same issue. They get their projects late. They cost more than they thought they were going to cost, and they don't always get what they wanted. 
in some cases, they have to start building a building five years before they've even invented the project that they're gonna manufacture in the building, right? Because the technology cycle is so much faster than the build cycle. So there's data to support this. CII, there's over 900 projects with an average value of 65 million. 70% of them were either over budget, behind schedule, or both. So just under 30% actually exceeded schedule and budget goals. Owners that are building big capital projects today are not getting what they want out of the program. Obviously, the partners that we have are making money because they're still in business. So as owners, if we want to get different outcomes, we should change it. We should change what we're doing to get different outcomes. So we've had this experience it, within our company, projects under 100, under 50 million, we pretty reliably deliver those things. Once you get over 100, we're at least consistently over budget and behind schedule, right? Fairly, that's predictable. So we've gone to an integrated project delivery model. We've done about uh, $3 billion worth of work, basically on time and on budget with integrated project delivery. And we have $2 billion that's pretty far in construction now that's tracking under budget. We put the design and construction team under a single contract with a shared risk and reward plan. We can typically get 75% of the contract value into that pool with maybe seven to 10 players. So you don't need 50 companies in the pool. You can get the bulk of it. And so believe very strongly that integrated project delivery is a valid solution, not the only solution. The opportunity here is to do a more collaborative approach, get everybody on board. Understanding that we've been moving from the traditional model, especially in the lean construction community, to one that's more shared risk, shared reward, more transparent, collaborative approach. There's also something that's happening in the financial space. Uh, lots of you have probably heard about Bitcoin. We're making progressions towards improving the transparency model within contracting with the IFOA, for instance. Obviously, we've seen this opportunity, and as part of the lean community, we're figuring out how to shift from this siloed approach to one that one that has the shared risk, shared reward model. Similarly, in the blockchain space, there's something that's taking place within the traditional models like finances. The idea of cryptocurrency is blockchain networking. So let me explain what blockchain is as sort of baseline for everyone. Blockchain is a distributed ledger. It essentially is a ledger that people can write to or they can verify what is actually transacted on the ledger itself. It cannot be changed, so it's immutable. The record stays the same. And in order for the verification to take place, there must be some sort of consensus of the people on the network. So that's essentially what blockchain is. It can help sort of flatten the supply chain. It allows for information to, for instance, from bidders coming in, this is just a, an, an idea, coming in, that information could go straight to the owner and it could be understood broadly by everyone who is participating in the project. That could be your architects, that could be your GCs, it could be your municipality, for instance. They could understand what that looks like when that information has been verified by the right people so that everybody has a level of understanding what the scope is and why. I must say, it's been taking me 12 months to do the research and 
I'm still learning things today. But it's an opportunity, again, to take what's typically siloed and basically make it more transparent and have a shared network. So lots of applications, working as an owner's rep, I see the solution within construction, specifically with the IPD model. The thing that's most interesting to me is the smart contract capability. Basically, transactions can take place on a blockchain with conditions tied to them. For instance, if there is a light fixture that has Internet of Things tied to it and there's a smart contract with a supplier to replace any light fixtures, what the Internet of Things sensor can do is ping that supplier automatically as soon as it's out. Tell them this is what we will fund you in order to replace the light. That supplier comes out, replaces the light, and they get paid once the sensor says that it is in place and working that automation can be tied right into it. So what we're looking at is moving from the traditional contracting capability first within construction, specifically based on the IPD model, and working in some of those smart contract in integrations. So first of all, the preparation of an IPD contract in the first place, there are a number of things that need to be signed off by the entire team as it relates to the shared risk, shared reward terms during that validation study. So each one of those steps can be a transaction whereby people are putting up the information and verifying those details. But in addition to that, it can tie into how payment processing is done. At the end of the validation phase, we have estimates from everybody. We kind of have to compile them. We use this really fancy database that you may have heard of called Excel a lot. And so, you know, formulas get messed up. I mean, we've had major invoices that just had formula errors. So is there a way we can build a shared database where everybody loads their cost information into that system and then it gets rule checked so you can't actually load the information in if it doesn't meet the right rule criteria. So it doesn't have to be manually checked. And I asked our project engineers, they said on average, they may send a subcontractor invoice back two or three times before they accept it and include it. And that's on a monthly basis. So a three-year job, I mean, that's just a ton of non-value added energy. So can we set up a system where all the costs go in, they have to be rule-based, and then everybody can see what all the costs are all the time. And so if I'm gonna do a $100 million project, can I put the $100 million into like an escrow account that's rule-based with the blockchain so that the invoices, when they get approved, everybody could actually get paid at the same time? So do we have trade partners here? So thank you. I really appreciate you financing all of our work. Uh, so if you don't know, the typical trade contractor pays their people every week, but they only get to submit an invoice every month. If you're lucky, the owner pays in a week or two. If you're unlucky, maybe three to four months you could get paid. I worked at a public owner and we paid 90 to 120 days. and It was embarrassing. You can't ask for any favors when you pay 120 days. So then that gets paid back to the general contractor, gets divvied up, goes out to the trades, goes out to their suppliers. So if you could put, say, a $100 million project into a bucket and you could tokenize it in a way that each party's contract was represented within that bucket, the invoices came in, they got collectively approved by the team, and then everybody got paid directly. So you get rid of that tiering waterfall of the invoices going up and the money going back down. So you could get the money out to the people who are actually spending it faster and then eliminate a lot of the review time. So on a $100 million job, we might spend three to $500,000 with an outside audit firm 
checking the numbers and stuff. So it's another huge opportunity. There's a built-in quality concept. Can we get built-in quality on the finances this way? To pay when paid, so they don't pay the subs until they get paid, who then pay the suppliers. So there's a lot of financing cost hidden in there that the owner's paying. There's a lot of overhead costs, which I can't see. How much did it cost to put that together? I, I can't see it. It's not organized that way. So the concept of integrating the finances and running it on a completely transparent blockchain could drive a lot of waste out of it. Can I implement it tomorrow? No, but I think it has a lot of promise. And if we could do it, then we could get IPD down for new owners for $5 million, $1 million projects, it would take a lot of the administrative burden out of it. There's a built-in quality concept. Can we get built-in quality on the finances this way? Are you doing that for free? No, it's built into the cost of the job. Ultimately, the owner is paying for financing that system, and they're paying for the administrative cost of packaging that invoice. We're looking at ways to implement that idea into the IPD model. And the first step is setting up the contract itself. There are lots of steps in order to do that. There's the validation study, there's a target value design, actually identifying what the pools of money are that go out to each trade. But the biggest challenge to furthering our adoption is the finances are significantly more just the amount of financial work, the auditing and looking at the pay apps. So here's exhibit A. This is a pay app. How much do you think this pay app is for? Imagine a stack of paper the thickness of two encyclopedias. It's two and a half million dollars. I mean, it's not actually that big a pay app. It's good size, but we're gonna be receiving these for the next 24 months. Some theoretically what you could do if you did this. So I read a study somewhere that the administrative cost of putting that invoice together, reviewing it and approving it from all of the vendors, trade partners, lump sum bidders, packaging that is about $100,000 in administrative cost per two and a half million of invoice amount. So, but there's no way to actually see that. You could never aggregate those costs out of that. What was spent on this project, it's a $100 million project, we'll spend maybe three to $400,000 on outside auditors because I can't review that whole thing. So, and that's still just to gut check it. So that's to compare the job cost report to the invoices and make sure we're paying for the right things. So as an owner with target value design, we're trying to drive down the cost of our projects. What I've realized over the last 10 years is we got to focus on the waste that's not specific to the built environment. So we don't want cheaper metal studs or cheaper finishes, but can we squeeze some of the administrative costs out of creating that every month, reviewing it every month, make sure we're paying for the right things. Making sure that they're matching up and verified exactly with what the contract is outlining. It allows for you to eliminate the requirement to do the due diligence that's on the back end because what it is is simply see by reviewing against the ledger that every single thing matches up line by line. It's magnanimously much more easy to audit pay applications or any type of process on the blockchain. So the thesis is essentially integrating IPD with blockchain capability to support it will make it easier for you to even prepare the contract itself through the validation study. But in addition to that, it will improve the capability to, to make payments 
quicker, more in a more secure manner, one that is uh, tied to, to real data and progress and, and um, essentially make, make the cost lower and make everybody's lives easier. Through putting this presentation together very actively thinking like we have to find a way to make this and I've been fighting with our auditors lately and so it's just all of it coming to a head. There's got to be a better way. Yeah, if you want to know more about um, anything blockchain related in the built environment, I have probably about 12 months worth of podcast episodes talking with people about pilot projects. Go to constructor.com. And then if you want to know about the IPD guide, how to set up an IPD project, you can find it at leanipd.com. Any questions? What do you think? A website or a software or a... Well, would you buy it? <laughs> <laughs> right? So is that valuable to you? Oh, yeah, awesome. I just had a, I actually had a sub that on the front end offered us $35,000 off the top if we just went for pension cash Yeah. Yep. Right now, I'm in touch with developers who are building contracts on the blockchain in order to investigate this model. They're doing much more simple contracts like NDAs for instance. But obviously this is a more complex solution, so it's going to take some time, but honestly we need funding. So that's where we are. It doesn't need to really be IPD. No, I agree. What I appreciate about the IPD model is that it's already a transparent approach. Obviously anything can be mapped onto the blockchain to... Yeah. Maybe, to maybe it's just become painfully apparent to us that as we're trying to drive costs down and they're just actually going up slower, and so um, what I'm starting to realize is we're not going to cut costs. We're not getting the productivity gains that we thought we would be able to get. So now it's like, let's go after all the money that we're spending that we're getting no value for and continue to pay for the stuff that we acknowledge we're getting value for. So, but you got to make it visible to be able to see it. Subs will keep financing trade partners, keep financing jobs, even blockchain, because they're putting out labor and material for a period of time before they get reimbursed. Whether they're getting reimbursed for blockchain or they're, uh, or they're being reimbursed you know, from, from yeah. it makes short But I think the only way you can short certain that is unless you start paying people for the work they put in as they put it in. I mean, well, Start yeah. On our some of our larger jobs, we allow people to forecast, say, one to two weeks out. If you're, you know, if you're spending like five million a month, this one trade contractor spending five million a month, they can't afford to get out too far. So we will allow it, and then we reconcile it on a monthly basis back to. And so the better companies, the better they can forecast. And we're not paying you ahead of time. By the time you are getting paid, you've done that forecasted work, right? Does accounting get simpler, or does that get more difficult in this environment? It gets much simpler. I would hope so. I don't know if it could get more complicated. How would it work? They're very standards. You said it with information, so not transactional. Like a, yeah. How does it work with I think you could run like a clash detection system on there. So you could keep a real time forever record of all the changes that were made within a model and who made them. That's some next level stuff, which a lot of people are investigating how BIM and blockchain integrate. I'm actually part of the Construction Blockchain Consortium, and there's a whole group focused on how to get BIM and blockchain integrated. But it's not until we're going to get to like level three, true actual design integration on one common data environment until we get there. So. One other question. Does it work for the lending institution? 
So you see you put money in escrow. Yep. So a large sum of money. So you, you're expecting the owner, if you don't give them the institution, they're not going to release the money once the work is in place. So you're talking the owner would have to release the money up front. I mean, everybody has their own funding approach. You don't always have to put it into an escrow. Depends on how you distribute your funds. So. It's a good question. I like it. <laughs> so it wouldn't get released until you met the conditions of the contract. It would be held there and you can split the interest. Can you model something with like a forecast and maybe you're only a month ahead with the owners putting money into it? Oh no, I get it. I mean, well, you're doing. You have that money. You're doing something with it. It's either invested in bonds or something. Or getting it from a lender. If you're getting it from a lender, so a lender has it somewhere. So would. Because you get construction draws from your lender, right? So you need something like that. I think the integration with IoT, and so there's so many different elements, right? So as it relates to construction, the first step is building it into the initial contract preparation so it can tie to those terms. So, so you mentioned that this stack of paper is $250 million worth of invoices? 2.5. It's not even that much, yeah. Okay. I just want to mention that in comparison, a few days ago, somebody uh, and the, and the Bitcoin blockchain moved $250 million for only 10 cents. Yeah. So that is, that's a factor of... We have to talk. So I would rather pay 10 cents as an owner than 100 grand. But then we're not talking about like any cost or anything. Right, right, right. So that's what, <laughs> tens or hundreds of thousands of X Yeah. right? Times so I think a, a vision where you set up a smart contract where you basically you set up the rules of how the data needs to be input and then everybody inputs their own cost data into that system. It'll auto generate what the contract looks like, what the risk pool, what the splits are. It can be done in real time as people invoice for the job. You can drive real time metrics and tracking out of it and you can do that. I think it is significantly less cost with actual better data than we have now. So you're on the other side, how did you get bought into the system? That's the question I was just going to ask. That which, which system specifically? Well, you go from traditional, I think it's more, uh, It's like a tri-party agreement, right? Right. It's yeah. Like an integra integrated form. Uh, how did I get bought in? You guys it's hard for an owner to accept a tri-party agreement. So how do you get the owner bought in on the tri-party agreement? So a couple things. I got bought in because I started my career at a hospital that did all lump sum work. And I didn't even know there was another way. I didn't study construction. Then I went to this public owner. We had to advertise in the paper, like anybody could bid on the job. It was crazy. And we had a $4 million job with a $2 million claim. We were a year late and we value engineered out the whole third phase, which is not actually value engineering. We just cut the third phase out. Then I went to design assist on a GMP basis. And I've been at Sutter for 11 years. And so it's kind of a normal uh, a progression for me that when I got presented with, you know, you could do it this way, it was like, that makes way more sense. So Sutter was already on board. Because we typically when, see, right? So me personally. Because there's, there's a lot of, and I don't know, I could CM sign, but like what you hear is, right, you want to start this, this blockchain or integrated form, whatever. Yeah. And there's a lot of, oh, well, you got to pay. You got to pay the mechanical guy up front to do all this planning work, and it's going to cost me more up front. That's okay. Yeah. Well, you know, that's always the pushback from what you, you want to pay up front or later. Right. Uh, you uh, pick. Uh, what do they, go slow. Go slow to go fast. That's all. Yeah. Thing. So 
I'm just curious how on their side. So I can tell you. So at Sutter, we sell we sell bonds a billion dollars at a time, and then we split it out to the jobs. So we don't do individual fi project financing. So our last raise was a billion dollars at four percent for 40 years. It's pretty good money. Our company got there. It was just metrics that sold the C-suite? No, it was it. Decisions or what, right? So we got kind of lucky. So it was a leap of faith. First three big jobs we did, probably collectively a billion dollars over budget. The best one was a year late, and the worst one was like three to four years late. So in some sense, like, how could it be any worse? Will Lichtig, who wrote the first IOA, was our, in, our construction council. So we already had an established relationship we had some really forward-looking executives that came to LCI. They met Greg Howell, Glenn Ballard. They ran a symposium in 2004. We tried IPD Lite, so we tried GMP with shared savings. Still didn't work. Uh, we went like 300 million over on the first one and more on the other one. So every IPD job that we've done 22 now, at an average of 3% under budget. The worst one was 3 million over budget on a $450 million program. You just got better over time. Just yeah, we've gotten better over. So for other owners, if you don't have a problem, then don't change. Because that's what I talk to owners all the time and they're like, well, we're, we're fine. Okay, then just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, but if the owner likes the idea of trying to sell it on it, blockchain organizes it, concern, right? That's our proposal, yeah. We're looking for C funding and, and pilot use cases. From putting this presentation together, it's like, we got to find a way to do this. I think we have to. I mean, it's become painfully apparent to me in the last year how much money we're spending on non-value added. So it's like, how do we get the majority of the money into the physical building? It seems pretty obvious what the owner yeah. should do, but I know. it's hard to sell. Well, it only took us 20 years to yeah. get here. <laughs> Thank you. So you're not talking about approving it electronically. You're actually talking about it gets submitted, approved, and funded all electronically. That, I think I think that's, that's possible, and there are use cases versus, for that now. Yeah, versus the programs now where if you want to get some approved, it goes through the hierarchy of sign-offs electronically, and then yeah. it still goes to someone in accounting who says, okay, this is approved, we have to issue a PO. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I spot check that, and then I, on $100 million, we might spend three to $500,000 in outside auditing right. to go back and spot check it, and they're still just spot checking it. So could we set up a system, a rule-based system, that you couldn't put the data in if it wasn't correct? So can you error-proof the invoicing payment process so you don't overpay or underpay? And then you spend less money on the auditing process because guess what? It's way easier to review how that has been done correctly. That spot check capability is so much faster. So and then you, we could make the finances just completely transparent to everybody on the team. This, so I understand you're trying to capture the technology. How do you pay for or incentivize people to do the mining of this technology so that way they take care of that? that different governance structures that can be set up within blockchains. If you, for instance, are referencing Bitcoin, where people do Bitcoin mining, that's a, comp that's a public ledger, that's a public blockchain. It would have to be a private blockchain that's internal to an owner-represented organization, which then they push through their suppliers, their trade partners, the architect, everybody
everybody who's involved in that network. And essentially, it would set up a governance structure that's similar to the IPD model. And whoever is going to be doing those transactions, it'll be built into that contract, the smart contract itself. And that consensus model will also be decided upon. So Bitcoin is 51% consensus, right? There are Bitcoin miners that go and like have the computer, you know, doing the mining. It doesn't have to take place that way. You can have your architect, you can have your owner's rep, you can have you know, the foreman or whoever, right? You can have those people in place identified in order to do that consensus and verification process. So hopefully that gives you something to think about. It doesn't doesn't exist, but I think it's coming quickly and there's, there's a compelling cost driving that, I think. So, and all we have to do is make it more and more visual and then it will become more and more like, of course it's gonna happen, right? right? It's just a matter of time. There is some fun dialogue after the presentation that James had with a couple of the audience members that in listening to them, I didn't want to leave this out. It's really a continuation of the discussion, but I'm planning on doing a series on this topic later this year. So if you're a listener and would like to be a guest to discuss this further, I would love to feature you if you're interested. Listen in. Startup company in Huntsville, Alabama, is trying to do something similar, but starting at the trade level. So they're kind of approaching it from the bottom up. I think, I think bottom up has to be part of it, because if their systems are not set up to feed into this, it's not going to work. Yeah. Everyone recognizes the administrative overhead waste. Yeah. And, and obviously the trade contractors feel it most acutely. But, yeah, I think so. But, so. But, but even design firms, you know, feel it pretty acutely too. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's the hardest thing for me to train my people on. Right. So I got a new project. I want to train a project manager to run it. I spend more time teaching them kind of the nuances of how to put the deal together. Right. And then once you get that kind of done, it, it's relatively easy for them to live in. But but think about it. I mean, every project has its own system. Yeah. So when you're a contractor, you're having to adapt to every general contractor has a different system. Every owner has a different system. So we don't really even have a, much of a system because yeah. we found any GC was going to do it twice. Right. They were going to do ours plus theirs. So we right. finally just whatever system you have, that's fine. And we have a very simplistic finance commitments and invoices type of a right. system. And we don't do any of the project management out of that. Yeah. So we're I not mean, just the process of payment, you know. Yeah. Varies. So theoretically, you know, everyone's RFI's logging system is different. Everyone's changed or yeah, they are right. Everybody's subcontract. Well, I'm running into challenges. So we have the auditors going through the trade partners' books, and so half of the time they're just disagreeing with the way they're doing their accounting. And I'm like, well, am I overpaying them or you just, you would do it differently? Because right. there's a big difference right. to me. Right. Frankly, I don't care how they do their accounting. What I want to know is I'm paying for the work that I'm getting and I'm not paying too much or too little. Right. Um, so, so on one hand, traditional project delivery maybe simplifies that because 
because you're not auditing. A, a lump sum is a simple way to do payouts, right? right. It's you a low. Point, you're just agreeing on, all right, what's your percent complete? What's your progress level? So and that. PD, you're, you're auditing bulk. materials and labor commitments. So. so we stay away from IPD on most of the small jobs because of that. So we do a lot of lump sum work, under a million maybe. We still we do mostly GMP, but we're not auditing that kind of stuff. You know, it's... How is the cost? Yeah, and the benefit is sometimes just like, what's the cost of it being a year late? I mean, that's, that's you know, yeah, but it's like you don't see it necessarily in the the physical cost of the job, but the impact of just the, the quality of the coordination that goes into right. the IPD model is like, priceless in a sense. Right, right. The industry is so traditional, so something like blockchain, which is like this invisible technology, just weirds people out. There's some way that you could make this system more transparent and faster and rule-based. It would be way easier to... How many times on projects are... Do we have all these different entities that have uh, duplication of data that they're not even sharing. Anymore. Yeah. And it's close, but not actually the same. Yeah. <laughs> that's the other problem. And, and all that wasted, you know, like you said, that stack up. I mean, that's just. So we also have. That. We have that the. Together an invoice that's, you know, the size of an encyclopedia. Yeah. I mean, we can't even email the invoices on the bigger jobs. Yeah, we have to upload them to a file sharing system because they're like 100 megs and they're huge. All scanned. Yeah. Not character recognized. Well, and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. right, if, if you have your, if, if you have, if you're doing target value design and you've got your, you've got your project broken up into the different areas and this yeah. is and if you simply do an invoice on those areas rather than on all the minutia, yeah. and you were able to identify this is the, you know, these are our production metrics, yeah. and you just, yeah. I would love to code. We're tracking towards the target. We're good. We have no issues. Any ones that you do, you pull aside. I think if you could get people that use the same cost code, so you could code things to admin, you could start to see, like, what is the overhead all the way down to the supplier level that exists within these projects? And then you go and you try to reduce the overhead because that's you don't want to reduce the profit. You don't want to reduce the what you're the labor or the material that you're buying. So I'm like, what's the piece that I could squeeze out and not notice if I could find a better way to do it? And it'd be that overhead piece somehow. And the administrative just burden of, I mean. The number one way to cut the overhead is make the projects shorter. That, exactly. I, I've been talking about that a lot too, because general conditions are kind of, they're necessary, but not so much value added. So they're kind of a necessary waste. And on project duration. The shorter the job, the to what you're saying, you get the same physical building, but you spend less on management. So that's like the first layer you carve off, just make the project go faster, so I'm not paying for all that temporary overhead yeah. that's, that's billed to me on a monthly basis based on project. If we could speed up our, so we're thinking now, if we can speed up the feasibility, board funding, validation, design phase, I think collectively we could take a year out of that on our bigger projects. And so then you finish the job a year earlier. So right. that's like, there's everybody's getting raises in that last year and materials. So you can cut costs, just, you know, starting earlier and finishing earlier.
but but then there's a layer underneath all that that's still waste. It's inherent, necessary waste. But, but I think it's not this, this shared data model, though, will drive a lot of that waste out, right? Yeah. I mean, if you have everybody's aligned, those cost codes are aligned all the way down through the supply yeah. chain. And now everything is visible in a, in a you know in a dashboard that's available for everyone's. Right. Because I, I wonder on a hundred million dollar job, what's my actual material cost for all the way through? Like what's and we always say like 50-50, but I don't think it's it's probably significantly less, right? Twenty million. I would say it probably depends on the type of facility, but so the yeah, fact is, there's no good way to find that out. Right. It would be a you could do it on one job, and it would be painstaking to do it. Right. So it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard, though. I mean, the data's there. It's the there, data's there. It's, it's just, just a lot of work. It's, it's not in a good, yeah. searchable, accessible way. Yeah, what you're saying. If you liked this episode, find out more in the show notes at constructor.com/ipdblockchain. If you learned something valuable in this episode, share it with your friends and colleagues. You can also let me know you enjoyed our presentation by connecting with me on Twitter at Brittany underscore CT or find me on LinkedIn. You can email me at Brittany at Constructor.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-E at ConstructRR.com. Next week, you'll be hearing my discussion with Jordan Cram, the CEO at Instoa. Instoa is a New York City-based systems integrator that offers a data-driven, evidence-based approach to capital project development. We talk about data as an asset, manufacturing as a model, and how blockchain might drive behavior change. I look forward to sharing this episode with you next week. Don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do so at your favorite podcast player. I look forward to continuing the journey with you next week.